Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. Let's pray and dive on in. Father God, we thank you for today. Thank you for this church. I thank you for these people. Thank you for our pastors. Thank you for the pastors and the leaders that are at the leadership conference right now. I thank you that they had safe travels getting there. I thank you for wisdom and revelation that they encounter you, that the favor of God is with them wherever they go. I thank you for rest throughout this week, strength throughout this week, and bring them back with great ideas. Father, I thank you for this word that you have for your people, that it will not return void, but it will accomplish exactly what it's supposed to do in our lives. Father, I thank you that you flow through me and that you prepare each and every one of our hearts to hear a word from you tonight, exactly what we need to hear for our situation. In Jesus' name, amen. Robert Frost, a great American poet, wrote the words, Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by. Modern day poet, sometimes it's the journey that teaches you a lot about your destinations. From our good friend Drake, only those who risk going too far can possibly find out how far they can go. T.S. Eliot, another poet. And the great theologian, as soon as I saw you, I knew an adventure was about to happen. Winnie the Pooh. (laughs) Title of my sermon is, Let's Go on an Adventure. Let's go on an adventure. That T.S. Eliot writes, only those who risk going too far can possibly find out how far they can go. Sir Winnie the Pooh, as soon as I saw you, I knew an adventure was about to begin. And when we encounter Jesus, as soon as we see him, is that the first idea that comes to mind, as soon as you hear a word from God, as soon as you receive a prophetic word, as soon as you read something in the scriptures, as soon as you experience him in salvation and healing and restoration, as soon as I saw him, I knew that a new adventure would be about to begin. We're going to read in Mark chapter 2 a story about Jesus interacting with one of his disciples, and as he decided to go on an adventure with Jesus. Mark chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. And he, being Jesus, went forth again by the seaside, and all the multitude resorted unto him, and he taught them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, or Matthew, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of the customs. And he said unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in the house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many, and they followed him. And the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, and said unto his disciples, How is it that he eats and drinks with publicans and sinners, or tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard this, he said unto them, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So Jesus is 
walking around and he's preaching and teaching. And he comes into the city. And there's a man sitting at the tax booth. And Jesus walks up to him and says the simple words, follow me. Says the man gets up and follows him. And, and the story immediately goes into, they are at this man's house. They're at Matthew's house and they're eating with publicans or tax collectors and sinners. And somehow, someway, the Pharisees are around enough to see Jesus eating with the tax collectors and sinners. And they start whining like religious people do. And they start complaining. I don't understand how you get close to Jesus and you start complaining more, but such is the religious folk. They don't recognize the adventure that they could go on. They just want to sit there and complain, point fingers and cry. Jesus says, if you're healthy, you don't go to the doctor. But sick people need a doctor. I haven't called, I've come to call the sinners to repentance. So I want to encourage you today to start, if you haven't, begin again. Seeing Jesus and deciding that you're going to go on an adventure that you've never been before. To experience Him like you've never experienced Him before. The first thing that I want to encourage you to do is to follow Him. Simple. It's a simple statement. Yeah, just follow Jesus. If you've been coming to church for more than 12 seconds, you've heard somebody somehow, someway tell you to follow Him. And the word follow here means to follow one who proceeds, to join him as an attendant, to accompany him. But there's such a misconception when it comes to somebody telling you, well, you need to go follow Jesus. When you hear that, people in their mind think, well, I've got to go into ministry then if I'm going to follow him. If I'm going to follow him, I'm going to have to throw away all my DVDs, all my music, all my magazines, all my TVs, everything to follow him. I'm going to have to read my Bible so much more and pray so much more and go to church and serve and then I'm going to have to work and I'm going to have to do this and I'm going to have to do that. But if we read this story, we see the tax collector sitting at the desk working. He is in that moment working and striving to make as much money as he can to succeed, to be relevant, to be happy. He's working and toiling and working and toiling. And Jesus says, come and follow me. And the very next thing that they are doing when he follows Jesus is sitting at a table, eating and having a relationship. And we've got it all twisted up. That when you hear the words, Jesus saying, follow me, you think, I've got to sell everything and go to Africa. And live in a mud hut for the rest of my life. We think, I've got to instantly go to Bible school. I've got to do this, I've got to do that. But when Jesus says, follow me, he just wants to have a relationship with you. He just wants to walk with you and accompany you. Sit at the table and relax and enjoy. But we see Jesus as he makes this offer that he's not pushy about it. 
Jesus doesn't tell him, hey, you need to follow me. No, like you really need to follow me. Like, do you know who I am? I'm a really big deal. Came from heaven. There's a hint. I'm like 100% man, but tap the brakes. I'm also 100% God. If you come hang out with me, I will take you to heaven with me. I'll give you everything. You don't want to miss out. He's not pushy. He just says, follow me. But he's also, on the other side, not demanding or demeaning about it. He doesn't use scare tactics to convince Matthew to follow him. Boy, you better follow me. You do not want to miss out on this. There's something called hell, real hot, real, real hot. You do not want to lose this moment, this opportunity. We see him just throwing out this blanket offer. He doesn't over-promote it. He doesn't undersell it. He doesn't scare people. He just says, follow me. And Matthew at that moment has the decision... Do I get up from this place that I've worked so hard to be? Where I've made as much money as I've made. Where I've made a name for myself. Whether that name means they hate me or they love me, I've made a name for myself. Where my family is at the peak prosperity in this area. But there was an intrigue there. Follow me. It says that he gets up and he follows him. In 2 Peter 3.9, it says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That we're here on a Wednesday night, and more than likely we are all saved. And at one point in our lives, we chose to follow Him in salvation. But I want to take it a step further in asking, are you still following Him now? Because it's not just a one-time follow me. There's daily moments, there's monthly moments, there's yearly moments where He comes to you and He says, follow me. I want to take you somewhere that you've never been before. I want to show you something that you've never seen before. I want you to experience something that not everybody has experienced. I want you to follow me. We see when he encounters the rich young ruler in a couple chapters later, I believe it's Mark chapter 10. He's talking to the rich young ruler. And rich young ruler's in front of all these people. and He's talking about how he hasn't broken any of the covenants, or any of the commandments. And it says that Jesus looked upon him with love. He doesn't even deny what he said. He said, there's one thing you lack. Sell all of your possessions. Come, follow me. And it says, at that moment, the man was sad, and he turned away and walked off. Now, us on the other side of the Scriptures look at it and say, oh, was he the replacement for Judas? What books could he have written? What parts of the Bible? Where could he have gone? What could he have done? 
We look at it from this side and think, you dumb, dumb man, how could you not say yes in that moment? And as I read that scripture where it says, when he heard what God told him, when he heard what Jesus offered him, to come and follow me, it says that he was sad at those words, he turned his back and he went his own direction. Here recently, as I've read that story, I've put myself in that position. And I've made the decision that I will always listen to I come and follow me. No matter the craziness of what it says after that, no matter the, the story or the journey, the idea of what God can bring me to do way more happier than whatever the fleeting stories of life or the joys of life can bring me. That the idea that I go back and look in my life and I look and I ask God over and over again, have I turned away sad when you told me to go and do something? Go and, and give money to that person. Go and pray with that person. Tell this person that. Go here, go there, do this, do that. Have I thought, whoa, I don't want to go talk to that person. I hate that guy. I don't want to go and talk to that girl because what's she going to think of me? I don't want to go there or do this or run here or run that. But I come back to this story over and over again. And I say, I don't want to miss a moment where Jesus says, come and follow me. And I say, no, 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 it's too, it's too much. Cost is too much. My pride is too much. It costs too much. I'm too, I'm too sad. I'm too angry. I'm too frustrated. I don't know where you're at in your life right now. There's a point in time in each one of our lives, and I believe that now is the moment that God is speaking to this church. God is speaking to individuals. God is speaking to couples. God is speaking to the leadership here. And He's saying, come, follow me. And we have a decision to make. Will we say yes? Or will we turn away sad? But I'm choosing from this moment to go on an adventure that I've never been on before. I don't know what's on the other side of the yes, but I know that on the other side of the yes is you, and it's going to be a journey, and it's going to be something that I'll never forget. Come and follow me. In verse 15, we see them sitting at the table eating. And he's sitting there with publicans or tax collectors and sinners. The second thing I want to get to you is that Jesus is asking, one, come follow me. Two, he's saying, I want you to let me into your lives. That Matthew is sitting there at the table in the middle of the city. Jesus says, come follow me. And the very next thing that we see in the scriptures is they are in the house. They are in Matthew's house. I'm a bit a small bit of a neat freak in my life. 
I have a lot of things in order, and sometimes my wife and my kid just kind of take that out of order. They, it's just not, and so I've had to come to live with it and accept it. I've tried to pray it out of them. Um, I haven't received my answer yet, but God's delivering them. He's moving. The Shekinah glory of cleanness is going to come upon them soon enough. Please. <laughs> and my first thought to Matthew, because they didn't have cell phones at the time, they didn't even have beepers, they didn't have social media, and Matthew just shows up to the house with Jesus. Did Matthew clean the house? Did Matthew put away the toys? He cleaned the toilets for Jesus? What I mean, he just let Jesus into his house? Or did he run ahead of Jesus? Give me five minutes. My son is a mess. Let me go clean and tidy up. But it says immediately, here they are. And they're just sitting at the table. Dirty dishes, dirty towels, dirty feet and all. Matthew just lets him into his life. Come on in. And Jesus just walks in. Jesus doesn't say, oh, myself. Look how dirty <laughs> this place is. My, my, my. You know what? You clean up a little bit in here, and I'm going to come back in a couple days, and we'll have this conversation over again. But there is no way that I'm letting you in this house follow me. But then... As they're eating in this house with tax collectors and sinners, which that is a group of people that was known in the area. Now, we have all sinned once or twice in our lives, but have you ever sinned so bad that you were known in the town as the sinner and you could only hang out with other sinners? Nobody liked tax collectors. Nobody liked sinners. That sinners had sinned so bad, that they had broken the law so bad, that they were called sinners. They had no other name. What are you doing tonight? Going to hang out with the sinners. Cool. Have fun. And these Pharisees were appalled that Jesus would eat with the tax collectors and the sinners. And everybody hated the tax collectors. Why did everybody hate the tax collectors? Because tax collectors at the time would abide by the law of taxes. Everybody in this room owes $100 worth of taxes by the end of the year. But the tax collector would come to collect. Hey, Val, how are you? I'm your local tax collector. Law says it's 100 bucks. Cut you some grace last year, so you owe me 150. Takes the 100, takes the 50, puts it in his pocket. Goes to the next house, knocks on the door, says, Hey, Maddie, your tax collector, you see me every year. It's 100 bucks, that's what the law says. But I kind of like you, you're pretty cute. So if you marry me, taxes will be 105. <laughs> Still got to make some money. But. 
goes to the next door and comes to faith. Hey, faith, it's me, tax collector. Hopefully you didn't hear the other conversations. The law says it's $100 for taxes. But I really can't stand your family. It's going to be $200. I love their family, by the way. And what they do is they abide by the law, but then they put their own little twist on the law to try and hold down the people. And the Pharisees are standing there making fun of the tax collectors, angry at the tax collectors, and they're doing the very same thing that the tax collectors are hated for. Because the job of the Pharisee is to read and interpret the Scriptures and tell the people what they're supposed to do. But instead of just telling them what they're supposed to do, they decide, let me go ahead and add a little extra in there. Vow the law says, seventh day you're supposed to rest. That means you had better not cough again the rest of this restful day. You better not drive this many miles. You better not go and do this. You better not go and do that. Wait a second. That's not what the law says. But no, here are the Pharisees. The law says this, but you owe me this so that you can be holy. And they have the nerve to stand outside of the house and say, I can't believe you're eating with tax collectors and sinners, that you would just let them in. Well, buddy, look at the mirror. You're doing the same exact thing that you hate the most. It says in Matthew 22, we see Jesus calling these Pharisees out for the very same thing. Verse Matthew, I'm sorry, Matthew 23, verse 2. Jesus saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All, therefore, whatsoever they bid, you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their works. For they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. We see in Acts chapter 15 that the council comes together as Peter finds out in Acts chapter 10 that we are now able, the Gentiles, to believe and be saved. And all of a sudden these Pharisees are following right behind these disciples. They're saying, believe on Jesus and you and your household will be saved. The Holy Spirit will fall upon you. You can experience healing and restoration and salvation and freedom. You don't have to serve those other foreign gods that you've been serving. You can have a relationship with the God-man Jesus. It's all you have to do. And here comes the tax collector Philistines. Close enough. They said, yeah, you can do all that. But you got to be circumcised. Hey, don't forget circumcision. Hey, hey, circumcision. Woo! Nah, nope, not going to do it. So they come together, and they write this letter, and they said, bring this to everyone. You don't have to follow the law. Trust and believe in Jesus, 
don't worship idols, don't drink blood. I could do those. Yeah, okay. Don't drink blood. All right, check, check. Love Jesus. All right. And it's an open door to just let Jesus in. Just come on in. As you are, no matter what's going on in your lives, in Revelation 3.20, we hear this all the time, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him, and he with me. Song of Solomon 2.4, He brought me to his banqueting table, and his banner over me was love. The word banner there is a coat of arms or a personal identification. That Jesus is sitting there at a banqueting table with the worst of the worst, sinners and tax collectors. And in Song of Solomon it says, He brought me there. And He put His personal identification over me. I was no longer a sinner. I was no longer a Pharisee. I was no longer a tax collector. His banner over me was His love. That I came in there, dirty feet, dirty face, dirty hands, and all. And his banner over me is love. Like I said, I am a big neat freak. I'm admitting it now. It's out in the open now. We're here. We're going to walk through this together, guys. I do not like dirty things. And one of the grossest jobs that, that I have in my mind that I pray I, I never have to do is to be a maid at a hotel. I mean, that's got to be the worst job ever. Like, there's no end in sight. There's a thousand rooms, and you've got to clean them all. But you push your little cart up to door number one, put your key in, turn it, and open the door, and dear Lord, look what they did in this room. I, I'm fairly clean in a hotel, and I trash a hotel. I can only imagine what sinners and tax collectors do in hotels. And after you get done picking up somebody's towels and dirty clothes and hopefully changing the sheets, who knows, straightening up the TV and putting new glasses down and coffee and you shut the door. And then your job is to go to door number two and see what lies behind door number two. It's even grosser than the last one. It's the best job ever. But here's the maid, door number three, door number four, door number five. And they just walk in there and just start picking up and cleaning up. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I would barely open the door, one, smell it. I got to go. Nope, not for me. You know what? We'll just make Maddie work. Send her. Send her, Lord. But I am reminded of a man who came from heaven down to earth, who died on a cross for every sin that everyone in humanity has ever done, past, present, and future. And Jesus walked up to your door. And he took the keys from death, hell, and the grave. 
and he unlocked your heart, and he walked in. As dirty as it was, as ugly as it was, as disgusting as it was, he walked in, and he just starts cleaning. Just starts cleaning up. Just, okay, yeah, no, that's, that's pretty gross. Yeah, you, you've done this a long time. That's nasty, but let's just put it over here. Let's just clean this over here. Going to have to use some elbow grease for this one. He's asking you today, will you follow me? Not only will you follow me, but will you let me into your life? No, I don't know about that, God. But when you let him in, he just wants to sit at the table. He wants to put his banner of love over you. He wants to just start cleaning things up. He just wants to start helping. He just wants to, he doesn't care. Come as you are because he wants to take you somewhere where you'll never be the same again. And the last thing I want to say. In Mark 2, 17, Jesus hears the Pharisees talking and he says, They that are whole have no need for a doctor, but only they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And once you let him into your life, next thing he wants to do is just start fixing and healing and restoring. Because he wants to take you somewhere. There's a journey that he wants to take you on. We've got to clean this up here, and we've got to do this here, and we've got to fix this here. He's doing it out of love as you go on this journey with him. We've heard this scripture over and over again, but it's so refreshing to hear. Romans 5, 6 through 8, For when you were without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet pre-adventure for a good man, some would even dare to die. But God shows his love toward us, and that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. We know in Luke 19, he says, I've come to seek and save that which is lost. That he's all about rolling up his sleeves, getting in there, and helping and fixing. We'll stay on the track of how much I love to be clean. Has anybody ever seen the TV show Hoarders? Maybe we have some here. We'll have prayer afterwards. If you don't know you're a hoarder, we'll walk through that. Maybe some revelation will happen. That these people have taken all of these things, magazines, cars, trash, whatever, and they filled their house. Just don't even know how to get from room to room. Some people have died in those houses, and they can't find them. Just have that smell. He's in here somewhere. Let's go find him. And these people show up on the TV show, and they want to help these people. And they say, hey, um, you want to get rid of anything? No, I'm good. There's nothing. I feel like I've gotten rid of some stuff recently. It's okay, all right. And they'll usually walk up there, and they'll just grab one thing. They'll say, well, what about this? Can you get rid of this? They'll say, well, this is a water bottle that I found back in 1982 behind a Walmart in nowhere, Texas. 
Well, you never drank it, and it's, it's kind of brown and moldy. It's sentimental. It meant a lot to me. It's a, big, it's a big deal. Okay, all right. We'll just put this back right here. What about this? Can we get rid of this? Can we throw this away? Whoa, now. This is a real good story here. You don't want to miss this out. So I found this right next to the water bottle at the Walmart, 1982. Best, best thing I ever found. And eventually they go through and either the person starts moving and willingly give things away and they start cleaning the house out. And all of a sudden, at the end, the people are always like, I didn't know my house was this big. I didn't know I had 15 cats in this one room. This is amazing. Look at all the things. Look at this whole new world that I found. And Jesus has come to fix and to heal us, to call the sinners to repentance. And he's coming today and he's saying, hey, that wound that wounded you back in the 80s, can I heal it today? Can I restore it today? It's been holding you back. It's been, it's been keeping you from where we want to go. I need you to follow me. I want you to follow me. What about that spot in your heart? And you said, no, whoa, no, God. Nobody's been there in years. We have shut that off. We have blocked that out. We have put up the wall, and we put up a second wall, and we even put up some bombs and some missiles and everything to defend anybody from ever getting to that part of my life again. He's saying, yeah, I know, but but would you let me in there today? Could I help you today? Because he's not here to condemn. He's here to restore. He's here to save and move because he has a calling for each and every one of our lives. I don't know what that is. And sometimes we get so caught up in trying to know what that is that we miss the opportunity to know what it is. God, I have to know who I'm going to marry. I have to know where I'm going. I have to know. He's saying, but just follow me first. Just follow me. And I'll come into your life. We'll take care of this. We'll heal this. We'll restore this. And you'll look up in a couple of days, in a couple of months, in a couple of years, and you'll see this journey that as soon as I saw you, I knew that an adventure was about to begin. I knew that I was going somewhere that I'd never been before. That as I stand here and as I ask God, what are you doing? Where are you leading me? Where do you want me to go? And he starts revealing those things that I won't turn my back to him and say, whoa, 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 that's too much. That's too scary. That's too soon. That's too hurtful. That's too painful. I'll say, sure, come on in. It's not work anymore. It's sitting at a table and it's dining with him and it's rejoicing with him. It's eating with him. And while eating, 
healing begins and restoration begins, salvation begins, your purpose begins. That it says in 1 John 1.7, but if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus cleanses His Son, cleanses us from all sin. But listen, family, we need each and every one of you. That there are people here that are, that are serving and that are faithful, and we appreciate you for that. But I believe that God is calling you further in what you're serving in already here. Sometimes we get caught up in, I do this every Sunday, I do this every Wednesday, I help here, I help there. We get caught up in the routine of life. We get caught up in the routine of church. And Jesus is here today saying, follow me. Because I want to take you somewhere that you've never been before. In your relationship with your spouse. In what you do at the church. In what you do at your job. That He needs each and every one of us to let us into, his, into our lives. So He can fix us and heal us. Because in this church, there are new songs. There are new messages. There are new kids ministry ideas. There's new opportunities. There's new teams. We didn't always have a coffee shop, but somebody with the dream of having a coffee shop has turned into what it is. And it's an amazing thing. But God wants to bring it further. We didn't always sing the songs that we sang. We sang hymns, but then Hillsong started writing. And they haven't stopped. They've still stayed on this journey. They said, come follow me and let's see where this music takes us. They've got churches all over the world. There's desires and there's dreams that's inside of you that this church needs, that this body needs, that this community needs. And he's asking you, come and follow me. Come on, come on, I need you. I need you. I need you. It's time to step up. It's time to see this church grow. We've had too many prophetic words. We're going to hear them again, I know. We've got a field out there that needs a new building. We've got to do something with kids' church. We've got to do something with nursery. We've got to do something with media. We've got to do something with worship. He needs us. He's putting those inside of us. and He's calling it out of us. I encourage you, listen, listen, listen. He's calling you to follow Him, to do something you've never done before, to go somewhere that you've never been before, to walk in healing. The thing that's been holding you back now, right now, right now is the time to let Him in. Let Him fix it. Let Him heal you. Let Him forever change you. And now, today, let's go on an adventure and come back and look and say, look what God has done. Amen? Father God, we thank you. And we say yes to the adventure that you're taking us on. In this church body, in our individual lives, in our families, in our individual ministries, in our individual areas that we serve here at church or at work, we say yes to following you. Because we know that by following you, you're going to take us somewhere that we've never been before. You're going to bring us from glory to glory to glory. And that it's not works mentality. 
It's not striving to try and figure out what to do or where to go. It's sitting at a table and eating with you. And just letting you into our lives. Just letting us sit under your banner of love as we talk and as we journey and as we go. We experience you over and over and over again. And as we walk, you fix us and you heal us and you restore us. You bring us to repentance and you give us the mind of Christ and you heal our bodies and you heal our minds. You cause us to prosper and you give us the favor of God. And you let the joy of the Lord be our strength when we're at our weakest. And you encourage us and you speak to us and you use us and you love us. And we say yes today. We say yes, Father. I thank you that as we lie down tonight, Father, and we're quietly going to sleep, you speak to us. You remind us of the areas that you want to come in and follow up and heal up and restore and move. And we say yes today. Keep Pastor Eric and Heather safe as they travel back on Friday. Bless them. Cause them to prosper. Bring people across their path. Pour your love out on them. In Jesus' name. The awesome thing about Matthew is he was sitting there as a tax collector. He became a disciple who saw mighty, mighty miracles. Things that he never saw before. People raised from the dead. Limbs growing out. Tongues being opened. Eyeballs being formed. He saw the risen Son of God. He was in Acts chapter 2. Experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. He writes a book that he has no idea turns into the Bible that we're still reading today. And it's believed that he ended up in Ethiopia. Some say that he was martyred and stabbed to death. Some say he might have died of old age. But he went on a journey with God. He got up from that table and he said, I'll follow you. And he followed him to the ends of the earth. He followed him all the way to heaven. And it's a journey I guarantee you he never thought he would be on. But it's one I guarantee you that he never regret. So let's go on that adventure together. Amen. Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.